Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. This is a music podcast. And speaking of music, that song that played me in is entitled Tarantula and Sun. It is from the album Ghost Approaches. It is by Earl Valley, and you can find that on Perpetual Doom. And let me tell you this, it is one fucking good, great goddamn album. It is really great. And you can find it, 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 did I mention, it's from Perpetual Doom, one of my favorite labels out there, a truly independent label. And it is great. I highly, uh, I highly invite you, I highly suggest that you go to the Perpetual Doom Bandcamp and check out all the artists that they have. Many have been on this podcast. Many are favorites of mine, including uh, Little Wings, Ryan Samble. The list goes on and on. And I have another guest, Jessica Brienne, next week from from Perpetual Doom. So, uh, please, go check out the Perpetual Doom Bandcamp. Earl Valley's Bandcamp, buy this album. And we talk about it, so I don't want to go into it too much. I, I I, gush about the album in the interview. But here's a cool, fun fact about it. It was produced, and the drummer on the album is Greg Sinier from Deerhoof, one of my all-time favorite drummers. And I'll go as far as to say one of the greatest drummers, rock drummers of all time. And you could, I'll fight. I'll fight for that. Did I mention Earl Valley used to go by the name Grant LaValley, and there's also a lot of great music under that name. He talks about in the interview why he switched names, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a bit different than what you heard. Did I mention it's really great? It's a really great album. And Lou sent me a vinyl copy. I was already Lou from Perpetual Doom. I was already like obsessively listening to it on my dog walks in my headphones or when I was running errands in the car. But now I can put it on vinyl and goddamn. Goddamn is it good. Uh, as I said, all things are in the show notes. Speaking of show notes, you could also go to themattdwire.com and become a Patreon subscriber. Five bucks a month, you get a lot of my episodes. I would say 98% of my episodes have a part two. This episode has a part two. There's a link to that in the show notes. Um, usually the part twos are close to an hour. This one is about 30 minutes for, for Grant, Grant Lee Valley or Earl Valley, whichever you prefer. Um but there's also lots of bonus content on there. There's a, actually an episode I did, a bonus episode with, with Greg Sinier from Deerhoof. So there's all kinds of great stuff on there. Please become a Patreon subscriber. And if you can't afford to be, become a Patreon subscriber, I get it. I freelance. I fucking struggle. You can just tell your friends about the show or write a review or some shit like that. Fucking telling people to listen to the podcast would be really helpful. I don't pay attention to my numbers because I don't give a shit. It's not why I do it, but uh, they're good, but I would like them to be better if I do say so myself. Um, speaking of my website, themattdwire.com, you could go to kellyrdwire.com. She builds websites. She's a great web designer. If you need one, she does like big-ass podcasts, too. She does Ologies, which is one of my favorite podcasts. It's a science-based podcast with Allie Ward. She does the Exactly Right website, who is a network of various, uh, you know, podcasts. So please, Kelly R. DeWire, get a website. And also, and I've kind of loosely announced this on the show, I haven't done an official announcement, I have produced a album with Sub Pop Records and Adam McKay. It's a compilation album. It will, it will benefit the Climate Emergency Fund. 
Their link is in my show notes. The album will be out October 28th. A lot of great artists, all of whom have appeared on this podcast. If not, will appear shortly after this album comes out. A great long list. Death Valley Girls, Moby, Mud Honey, Deer Hoof, Fake Fruit, Marinero, Charlotte Cornfield. Bunch of long list. Really great album. Please, Shannon Lay, who's been on the podcast. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I will be posting about that on my social media and on my website, thematdwire.com. Excuse me, I had to sniffle. I didn't want to. I had to. It's allergy season for me. Um, but anyway, there's a link to the Climate Emergency Fund. Please, if you can, donate to them. It's That's crucial. That's important. Her environment is not doing well, and that's our fault. That's man's fault. And when I say men, I mean the executives at oil companies and our politicians who allow them to keep fucking our earth and pumping carbon into the air, which we've known since fucking around the 60s. That, that that we shouldn't be doing this. And again in 77, Carter was warned. And fucking Bill Clinton surely knew. Um, but we just keep doing it. Keep fucking pump, pumping the old carbon into the air. Uh, I think that is it. This, by the way, I'm just, again, I'm going to say, this album by Earl, Earl Valley, Ghost Approaches, is really fucking good. We get into why I think it's good, what's unique about it in this conversation, and this is like one of those albums that I think in 20 years people are going to be like, holy fuck, that's a great album. I truly believe that. Uh, so please enjoy my conversation with Earl Valley. I do carpentry in, in L.A. and uh, at a warehouse. That's actually um, in one of the music videos I shot in that warehouse that I do the carpentry in. Um, but then I come out here mostly in the winter, spring and fall, and um, I do like handyman stuff, and I'm starting to do tattoos. Oh, how do you... But you can draw. Like, you don't just be like, hey, man, I'm going to fucking put some shit on your arm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I've been drawing for a long time. <laughs> I'm like, I, I was like, I considered myself an illustrator before the music even came into the picture. Really? Yeah. Did you start that as a, at a young age? Like, were you one of those dudes in high school who was like drawing always on your books and stuff? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. I always admired those guys and it, I couldn't, I can't, I just can't do it. Like, I wish I could do anything other than what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love writing. Well, I don't know. I've, I've listened to a couple. Of your, I've listened to some of your shows. You're a good interviewer. I appreciate that. I just like I watch somebody paint or do art, and I'm like, "Fuck, that looks cool. That looks great." And I bet you, uh-huh. I bet you, it attracts. Well, I won't downplay art. it. It's a, it's a real blast. I mean, it's it's uh, it's one of the funnest things to do, and it's like, you know. This is the reason I started playing music more than I started than I wanted to draw was because it involved other people. Like drawing was so like sit at a desk by yourself, just you all the time. So, you know, I wanted to, part of it was wanting to do a craft that involved other people. Is that 
how this album, because I noticed, oh, fuck, I forgot to look. Did you do the cover art for your album? I meant to look on the album before I. No, I didn't. I didn't do the cover art. Um, I, uh, my buddy Ty Kerr did the, made that, made the sculpture that was on the front. And then my buddy, uh, Josh Herb kind of like, he did the composition and the background. It's but, a yeah. really like I don't I think stunning is about it's just really fucking you want to stare at it. <laughs> it's an amazing That's how that's how I felt too. I wanted to see that big on an album and it kind of like described the way the the sounds were sounding. So, yeah. Yeah, the music on that album I, I man, I I like I don't want to be like, it's amazing. Like it's the album is fucking incredible. I don't know how you feel about it. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel really proud of that album. Honestly. I mean, yeah. I mean, thank you for saying that. I I feel proud of it. It's like one of the, it's like, it feels like, I don't know if you listen to any of the older stuff. It's more like, it's more brooding and it's more like folk driven songs this really felt like the step in the direction that i want to take in my life in general like you know more like just put myself out there don't worry too much about it just like makes like be what you want like i don't know it very much reflects like my mentality right now that's an interesting so i'm I'm really proud of it wouldn't with the prior music were was there a sound that you wanted and you couldn't uh, Chief for some reason like was it was there like or because you said I think it was just like also also very much like a reflection of where I was in life at that moment you know I like was trying to like triumph over some of the more brooding thoughts that I was having some of the more like you know maybe even pessimist I mean I still have a lot of pessimistic thoughts but like I don't know. I, I felt like that stuff when I was making that at the time, I still had a lot of angst and like that kind of delivery and poetry was like the way to get through that. So now I feel like I am through that. And now I want to, you know, want to, want to triumph. And I feel like what I'm making now feels triumphant to me. Was that, was there a cut, like was the sound shift? Cause I would say it sounds, there's a big difference between, your prior stuff and this album and i'll be honest and i mean this in a complimentary way when i first heard the album it's it was jarring and i don't mean like oh my god like i just saw a car crash (laughs) it was jarring because Uh (laughs) well because it's so emotional and vibrant and it like it makes me feel which i sometimes when i like a variety of motions in one song, which I know that, I don't know if that sounds fucking hokey or what, but that's, and there's so much power to it. And I don't feel like there's a lot of stuff like that right now. And I mean, all of this is as incredibly like how powerful and great the album is. Like the more I listen to it, the more I, and more I'm like, fuck, this album is brilliant. (laughs) Wow. I really appreciate you saying that. That makes me feel great. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I was, I was really trying, I mean, I really wanted to put all that power into the album and I wanted it to be powerful and emotional and like, uh, all those things you said. So, you know, 
receiving that kind of news that it's, <laughs> that it's portrayed that way is, is good news to me. I wish know? I could have been a bit more articulate about it and made it sound fancy like I was some kind of poet, but it's just like... Oh, come on. Yeah, nor am I. I mean... I'm I'm not like poetic in my in my descriptions of things, but only in the lyrical sense, you know, in the writing sense. But um, yeah, I really appreciate that that take on the album. Um, was that? Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Was the feeling that comes out in that album? I don't know if this sounds weird, but was it like stirring around in you, and you were like having to find a way to get that feeling out? Well. Um, I've always kind of been like, always thought of myself as a like outward kind of singer. And I've always wanted to get there, um, to just like, you know, kind of like go full hog into the, into the singing part of it and have that be like the, a major driving force. But like, I don't know before I, I just couldn't exactly get there or like, push it out in like a really consistent sense at least. Um, uh, so I don't know if that, and how I, now I don't even remember what you, <laughs> what you asked. The, the emotion was that was getting that emotion out. Was it like something that was percolating, I guess would be. Yes. I would, I would, I could simply just say yes to that question. It was definitely percolating. And, you know, I was sick of not hearing people like sing for a while there. I mean, I feel like, you know, obviously people are still like singing and pushing it out, but I was also like, I was just feeling like I wasn't hearing a lot of what I wanted to hear, so, but I could make what I wanted, some of what I wanted to hear. So, you know, or at least attempt to, so yes, it was percolating for a little while. I mean, I was wanting to push myself. I was wanting to hear this kind of like emotive, like this kind of, yeah, just drive in music in general. But like, I don't know, obviously it's like got Springsteen tones to a lot of the songs, but like, you know, I just love the, his combination of like really pushing out emotional singing and, you know, in a combination with good songwriting. And I just felt like, I don't know, I wasn't hearing that very much and I had that I could, I could contribute. So. I think yeah. that's one of the reasons, like I used the word jarring because you don't hear it right now. And it's like, but it's something I like immediately embraced when I heard it. I was like, fuck it just, I don't know. It grabs you. And I don't think that I, I yeah. don't feel that a lot. I really, I mean, there's stuff I love and I'm like, Oh, this is cool. And this is great. But it's just something like that takes you kind of on a ride. Well, that, that is something that I was trying to accomplish. I really was. I was like, I just want these songs. Like you hear the thing, you hear the thing and it grabs you right away. And like, it'll pull you into the song hopefully. And then like, keep you also keep you guessing throughout the album. I wanted to like make all the songs like, I mean, I just, I just record demos. So like, I'm not too specific about a specific sound when I'm writing songs anymore. Um, so like that, uh, you know, getting that, getting things to where they sound different, even like different genres, but still within the same vein where it's just me singing it. Like that was also important to me. 
to not have this ultra specific album. Right. When you said, cause you were saying like you wanted to get there singing and just put it out. Like, was there, was that a challenge? Like it's hard. I mean, I can't sing. I wish I could fucking sing, but I've tried yeah. to sing. <laughs> uh-huh. And, but to sing like that with that much emotion and right. I, like, is, was that a hard place to get to? Was there a well, fear involved at all? Um, well, I only have one word to answer that question. <laughs> Karaoke. <laughs> karaoke. <laughs> you just got to do karaoke a lot. Uh, I've you never... know? It's like, it's like, that's the practice right there. That'll get you there. Just pick songs that you, you know, want to emote like and kind of go towards them. Wow. That's wild advice. I've never heard anyone say that before. Yeah. I love karaoke. Uh, is that did you realize that while doing it a karaoke or was that like you're like all right i'm gonna go sing karaoke and fucking try to get to this point no no it's more like just go out there and like like you know sign up for so many different songs and then like be like oh this one really hits with me like this kind of singing like really hits with me and then just you know work that in it's it's singing practice uh uh, who? Uh, what other? What artists would you go to for karaoke? Other than I'm guessing Springsteen. Yeah, a lot of like grunge stuff, like a, you know, uh, like a lot of Soundgarden stuff. Um, I do, I do endless, endless songs. I mean, you know, uh, how many, how many drinks go with that? Uh, sometimes a few, sometimes a, a few more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could sing. I'm so terrified of the of doing it that I don't think I, even uh-huh. with a thousand drinks, I don't. Uh, it's not. I just don't yeah. think I could pull it off. Maybe some people just can't well, sing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think everyone can sing in some capacity, you know. But it's also like I don't know. Pushing it out there can be hard. Pushing it out there can be hard. I mean, not everyone can carry a tune, so I don't know. I feel lucky to be able to carry a tune. Uh, is putting it out there go along with putting your, like your own, like, is that there a vulnerability to that? Putting your own self out there? Is that the fuck? How's that mm. sound? Does that sound like a Barbara Walters question? <laughs> no, no, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, <clears throat> in a way there's a vulnerability to it, but you know, as long as, uh, that's a hard question. It's a little difficult because like as long as I, I never have a problem like getting up and singing in front of people. I don't think it's a vulnerable thing to do for whatever reason. In fact, like, you know how when you hear your voice on a recording and your, your speaking voice, which I'm sure you've heard many times <laughs> um, and you're like, wow, I had no idea. I sound like that. I sound like a total goober. Uh, well, like, when I, when I'm singing and I hear the recording, like I, I sound exactly like I thought I would sound. I don't know if, if like anybody else has this, has that kind of thing, but I don't know. I think that that's like, when I'm singing, I sound like I'm going to sound like I want to sound, but when I'm talking, like I, I sound like a goober too, like, it was like everybody else to, my, to myself. I don't sound like I think I would. Uh, um, 
Yeah. How did you feel? I don't know. I I rarely talk about an album this much with somebody, and so I'm kind of surprising myself. But I I'm very fascinated by the album, and like I just feel like people should be putting songs and movies. I'm like, does has David Lynch made this <laughs> fucking thing? Like David, hey, Lynch? I feel the same way. <laughs> like to me, it's like there's. It's almost like it's in. It's like an art film. Like I feel like it has that sort of visual and journey to it. You're gonna make me blush. <laughs> Good thing it's audio. <laughs> uh, I'm also uh, Greg Sinier. How did Greg? How did you get on him on board? Oh yeah, so I Which, mean, his drumming on that, the album. That's is... like a yeah. I mean, that whole situation is like a dream come true. Um, I like. I don't want to talk about the pandemic or like too much, but because that's like I don't know. <clears throat> Let's just skip that one but basically i was holed up in my i was holed up in my house and i like bought some recording gear and i made the demos for the album in and joshua then, tree or um, la sorry I, that was in la i was pretty much holed up in la the whole time um for those two years and um yeah so i recorded these demos and i'm like well i was really at a point after the last album where I was like, well, I still want to make some stuff, but I'm not going to put too much pressure on it. I'm just going to like record what I want to do. And maybe no album will ever get made again. Who knows? You know? Um, so I, ma- I just made these demos cause I was sitting around the apartment and then, uh, my friend, Sarah Harris, who does a project called Dolly Creamer. Um, she, I was actually sitting around and I was thinking about her and she dated, she was dating Greg and, um, we had, he had come to one of the shows that we played right before the pandemic happened, um, that I played with Sarah and I was sitting there and I was seriously, I was like, I wonder what Sarah and Greg are doing out in Tucson, you know? And then like literally later that day, Sarah called me up and said, what are you doing? You know? And I was like, well, I made these demos. And then, so they both listened to the demos and then they, Greg hit me up and said he wanted to record them. And, you know, we went from there, which was a dream come true. I mean, I, I like didn't know Greg all that well, but I, I'm, I've always loved his drumming. And it's, I mean, he's amazing. He fucking, I've seen him play live once and I, I had obviously listened to Deerhoof, and when I saw him play live, I was like, I was shocked how how small his kit was, and I was like, how does this fucking guy get that many sounds out of that minimal amount of like it was crazy. That's that's exactly right, and if I could like even hope to emote, uh, you know, vocally like he does on the drums, then we'd be in pretty good shape. I've I've always loved him as a drummer. I've always loved, he's always been one of my, since I saw him when I was like, you know, 16 years old, I, I've always thought that he was like one of the best. Yeah. I've, I don't think it's like, I think he's like the best rock drummer. Cause I, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't I'd like, I know people tend to like certain drummers, you know, like they were always like Neil Pert. And I'm like, Neil Pert has 8 million drums to fuck with. <laughs> and it's like, Greg does right. all those sounds out of like nothing. And it's just like, I'm, it's like a mad genius. That's right. 
I agree. I couldn't agree more. And he's a really great guy. I mean, he's like, he's a blast to work with. Um, yeah, there were times, well, I went to Tucson to record the album cause he just said, you know, come on out, we'll record them. And we made a plan and you know, we did it all. We basically did all of, we used some of the demos, but we, um, we basically recorded everything, um, everything in like four days. Wow. Like, like all of the, all of the basic tracks at least, um, which was, he's really fast to work with. Um, but there were, a co- there was one point where, uh, he had like a mirror behind his kind of, his kind of computer we were working on there. And I was like, look, I glanced up in the mirror and I'm like telling Greg, to play the drums a certain way. And I like thought I'm just looking at myself, like how the hell did this happen? You know, <laughs> how did I get to work with one of the guys that I like real, like my favorite, one of my favorite drummers I've ever seen perform. And it just like seemed like such a dream come true moment. Yeah. Those moments are odd, but yet there's a reason that it, ha- you know, like I've been in situations like that too, where I'm like, how am I fucking working with this dude that I admired as a kid? And then you're like, I must've done like, it's not charity. I mean, they're off. Right. <laughs> right. Right. They right. wouldn't be there if they didn't see something and it is flattering. Yeah, it is. It was very, it was one of the most, most, uh, rewarding moments in my musical, uh, career thus far was he just was the he also just like i i'm gonna drum as well or like did he say i was gonna like you know what i mean yeah yeah so pretty much he was like oh yeah if you come out we should record these and um i was like of course yes i'm gonna make that happen for whatever you know any way possible by any means and then i you know i mentioned like we were talking about different players we could have on the album. And I was like, well, if you wanted to drum on anything, he was like, I'll drum on everything. <laughs> um, he said, I'm going to drum on everything. He's I was like, okay, okay, sounds good. Like I, I can't imagine anybody because of his power and the power of the music. To me, it's like the perfect match. Like I can't see anybody else drumming on the album. Yeah. It doesn't seem yeah, possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's interesting because, you know, you listen to deer hoof and it's like, it's, I feel like he like tamed his, his madman a tiny bit in on this album, but like, you know, but it like, it, it rears its head. It rears its head out of the water every now and again, like at key moments it gets, you can hear that. You can hear all the Sonya stuff yeah. coming through. That's what the, the, the thing is about that album is i feel like every time i listen to it and i've been listening to it a lot there's different moments i notice and appreciate like it's like one of those like okay now i'll I'll listen to the drums or now i'll listen to the vocals or now i'll pay attention to the words which you don't get that with a lot of albums where you can just sort of be like i'm gonna enjoy certain aspects just for the fuck of it (laughs) right right yeah, well, I really appreciate that. And, you know, a lot, there are a lot of other good players on, like, great players on there, too, that, you know, I'm still working with um, now on some new stuff. Um, like my friend John Nielsen, um, we're over here. We're Yeah, we're working on some stuff, and he's been playing, on, playing guitar. He played guitar on about half the album he played lead. And we're working on some new stuff these days, too. It's, uh, is it, 
would you say you're continuing with the same vibe or are you going into a different, different mode? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know, like the, it seems like things are staying pretty consistent though. I'm going to make this net. I'm going to make another album. I'm probably, uh, I'm probably going to be doing it with, well, Lou already mentioned that he perpetual doom wanted to per, perhaps do it. So I'm hoping that that will, that'll come true. It'd be nice to start something from scratch with them as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be in the same vein. It's going to be maybe, yeah, I have all the same feelings I had in that album, in that first album right now. So that's going to be portrayed. I want to, I want things to be a little weirder too. I want, I want those weird moments to go weird. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's like to me there's an element of like when with these album your prior stuff and this stuff where it's almost like when Tom Waits took that you're just like what hey what happened like you just went into this direction and it's like completely new and weird and right cool. yeah yeah it's it's the it's the direction and like what what happened in that <laughs> album is just a precursor for like more things that are like that. And like, I feel like it's just a great jumping off point. Like hence the, like the, like kind of moniker change, like going with Earl Valley. So I like changed my, I changed my creative name to Earl Valley. Cause I thought that it would be like a good way for me to free my mind as well. So like pertaining to what we were talking about before about like really emotively, um, pushing, you know, the vocal out, changing my moniker kind of like helped me do that as well. Because like, I don't have to think of my, if you, if you think of yourself as someone else, then it's easier to just, you know, be who you want to be. I, that's funny. Cause I was just going to ask you that. So you, you helped me out. I didn't, you saved me words. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, that's, that's a wild way of looking at it. Did you, did that free you? Yeah. Like you, you felt totally freed by just, yeah. Being yeah. I feel like, I feel like it did. It makes it so that like, you know, I want to be like, I want things to be relatable to people and like people to e be able to easily like, you know, easily sink their teeth into what's happening and just, you know, be able to like accept what, what they're hearing and seeing faster. So I feel like, that name not only helps other people understand what the project is and what the songs are about, but also helps me understand what the, you know, what the songs are about and what, what I'm, what I'm getting into, what I, the ideas that I want to portray next. Um, did you, are you from Ohio? I'm from Ohio. Yeah. I'm I've, from Columbus. Oh, really? Ohio. Yeah. What brought you to it? Because I'm a Midwesterner as well, so I don't know. Oh, really? I'm from Illinois. Where? Illinois, right on. I grew, yeah. I grew My up. My partner's on, from from. Illinois. Oh, where where at in Illinois? Um, it's like a suburb just north of Chicago. I can't remember the name right now. But. Oh, yeah, I'm from the suburbs and then lived in the city for a while. But there's a 
I don't know. It's weird. Do you ever think about, because I'm thinking about going back, but I couldn't get the fuck out of there fast enough. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I can, my, my sister just had a little beautiful, uh, I have a beautiful niece now. And like, you know, trying to make more trips back to Columbus to see the niece and spend more time with my family. But yeah, I think the same thing. I mean, it would be nice to be closer to them and be like, you know, as much as I love it out here and I have a pretty good setup in Los Angeles and Joshua tree, uh, you know, it'd be nice to be close to family. Um, but could I stomach it for more than a year? I don't know. I don't know. I left for a reason, you know, Ohio. I mean, Illinois, if Illinois didn't have Chicago, it's a fucking shithole. Like, frankly, it's, right. it's Chicago saves it with some small pockets. I like Champaign-Urbana has some cool music stuff, but like, you know, it gets pretty fucking conservative and hateful if you go fucking south. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same, same thing. I mean, as you know, same thing all through the Midwest. Uh, yeah, you get outside of a city, like an inch outside of a city, and it's... It's a clusterfuck. It's they, insane. I noticed you leave Chicago and the hair gets bigger and the minds get smaller. That's how I... <laughs> <laughs> like, I see those, like, Pretty the hairdos good. that I saw in high school. I'm like, you motherfuckers, like, don't, can't pick up, like, a Vanity Fair and see what's going on? Like, it's like, <laughs> it's not that yeah, far. Take a hint. <laughs> like, that's where have... they store all, that's where they store all the hate. That's why the hair's so big. It's all stored up there. <laughs> <laughs> like my brother it's just remarkable it's just like he's he's the stereotypical trump fucking like mullet gun stupid like he's and i'm just like how the fuck are you nothing against mullets because i know a lot of fashionable folk do it now but like he's like the feathered hair <laughs> like like uh-huh. it's still 1986 on his head except there's a bald spot now. yeah <laughs> well, well isn't it weird though like like I think about this, like it's come back to that, right? Because like he probably had a point in the '90s or something like that where he didn't have a mullet for a while, like where it was just like some other look, or was it always a mullet? I don't know. I've I I stopped uh, once he started dropping <laughs> n bombs, n words. I, st- oh, yeah. I started. I started. I kind of stopped contact with him. <laughs> that, that's a that's a good place to silently back away. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird because the fight, the fight is over. Yeah, and it's like I my other brothers are progressive, like they're fucking socialists and pro union and all that stuff. And I'm like, how did the fucking one guy, like, did he uh-huh. take a fucking brick in the head? Like, what happened? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Uh, what? Yeah, I don't know. People, I'm sure people have their reasons, like their psychological reasons that they don't quite understand but you know we've all got our we've all got we've all got our own shit to deal with so amen what makes you i don't know it's a mixed up world it is i just try i'm trying every day to just fucking keep some sort of positivity and uh you know love those around me that that sounds cliche but that's just fucking it's all all you really can do that's truly what matters i mean you know there's i don't know i don't know what else you can do especially like you know 
you're if you're struggling like if people are struggling all the time what else can you do there's like i don't know things can easily feel like a trap so just focusing i'm trying to focus on the good right now on the positive <laughs> not the trap not the trap aspect of things so i won't go down that route yeah <laughs> it's so fucking it's so like you read like i've read i just finished this book about louis armstrong and he like one of the last things he said to a friend is i saw life before me and i accepted it and i was like fuck i wish i could take it that like i was like and yeah, that guy that, he's pure joy but I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I wish I could get out of my head. That's the problem is I can't yeah. get out of my fucking head. Yeah, I feel I feel the same. That's, I feel the same way. That's, so you, it's hard to step. It's hard to step out of your head. I mean, it's easy to dwell. It's hard to. It's hard to, you know, see. I don't know. It's just hard. Life's hard. Things are hard. Yeah, I'm trying. Do you do? Anything? I don't know. Maybe. maybe oh, sorry. Oh no! I was just—I was going to ask if you do anything like do you meditate or anything to try to fucking clear your noggin. You know, I should. I should start meditating. I really should. I don't know. I I walk my dog. That's, That's kind of like meditating. Walking's great. You know? I'm a big fan of yeah, walking, especially with the dog. Yeah, we do. We do walks every morning, so that's kind of like meditation. But yeah, I don't know. That bites into like. Who's got time, you know, if you don't meditate, who's got time to meditate? What are they talking about? You got to get up and go, go, go. Right. Mushrooms? Do you do the mushrooms? <laughs> I do, yeah. I, I, for, I period, when things, when things get um, extra frustrating and it feels like it's been a, tr- like a, too much of a trend, just living in frustration, I'll definitely chew on a cap and, uh, <laughs> And do the, do the take the micro dose way, the yeah. way of the micro. I feel like I'm due for like a fucking. It's a house cleaning. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm due for a big one. One of those big ones where you're like, all right, I'll drive where out. You're crawling, you're crawling on the ground. Have you crawling done, out in the desert? Have you done a big one out there in Joshua Tree? I can't imagine that's less I, than the actually. Mic- yeah, yeah. The first time I ever came here i was with a group of pals and we um my buddy was renting a house out here this was like i don't know 2008 or something like that um but yeah i brought some mushrooms down and had a really big trip where i say i broke through to the next level and i still think that that's true but i haven't really had a huge one since then another breakthrough like that yeah it fucking I'm yeah, just, I dropped a lot of my my like prior anxieties and stuff like that at that point at, during that trip. I was able to like like visualize them and just say bye to them. You know what I mean? That's incredible. Yeah, I always wonder if like conservative people, because I'm always like when I have taken LSD or mushrooms, I'm always like we all should just like you know you have those like we don't need borders. Do the conservatives take LSD and go, we need more borders. <laughs> like, do they have, or do they, Yeah, yeah. like, I, I don't know if it like goes with what's already in your head or if maybe if those people, those people, <laughs> but I don't know. I want them to, I yeah, hope. I don't, oh, I, I just, don't know. I feel like it's, I feel like it's most constructive to trip on like a very personal basis, not even like on a, I don't know, for me at least, on a uh, 
on a personal basis, less so on like a um, world affairs kind of realm. I don't know about you. I try to do yeah. kind of. I try to do personal kind of thought process. When I first started doing like acid and stuff, my buddies and I would do uh, like Carlos Castaneda exercises in the alleys of Chicago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because <laughs> we didn't have open fields, so we had run through the alleys with our eyes closed, which in hindsight really isn't that sound that safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it does sound pretty fun. It was a fucking blast. And then we'd, you know, go yeah. to, and find the void, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, cool. <clears throat> what was there a reason you chose Los Angeles to leave Ohio? Oh, you know, I, I actually didn't choose Los Angeles. Um, I just moved to Los Angeles, um, about three years ago. Oh, really? Almost to the, to the T. Yeah. October three years ago, I moved to Los Angeles. I actually lived from Ohio. I moved directly to, um, a place called Covalo, California, which I still have a place in my heart for. Um, where is that? I, I, it's up, um, it's inland from Ukiah, California, which is about three and a half hours north of the bay. That sounds fucking great. I already am on board. Yes. So I moved out there because I'm like, oh, I love San Francisco. I took a trip to San Francisco when I was younger, you know, in my teens. And I was like, I have to live here someday. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I was in Ohio for a while after that. And then, you know, some buddies started to kind of migrate out West doing weed stuff. So I kind of jumped on that boat and I'm like, this is my ticket to go live in San Francisco. So I moved directly into the, like the deep, deep mountains um, in California for weed stuff to do weed stuff. And um, you know, then I spent the next five years kind of going between there and San Francisco yeah, San Francisco, when I first went there, I was like, this is the perfect city. Like, there's nothing. I love I love that city. I still love that city. I mean, it's sad what what's going on there socially, but, you know, I still go back and have a great time. But when I was there that time, it was a real, it was a real blast. What, it was a really good time to be there. What year was that around? Um, that would have been around... I, I moved here in 2013 to Joshua tree. So, um, it would have been like the, th- the four years before that. So it was like, you know, 2009 yeah. till 13. Yeah. I started going there in the nineties and then I had a job that took me there once a month for like a few months in the early two thousands. And it's just, I don't know, man. It's just like, it's perfect. That's the only thing. Oh, I- it is. With perpetual fall. I love it. I <laughs> yeah, love it. I mean, I you want, know how it falls like the best season in the Midwest. So it's like, that's all I wanted. I was like, this place is amazing. Rode my bike everywhere, out to the ocean all the time. Had a cool job at like the boat, the boat rental place in Golden Gate Park doing bicycles out of the back. Yeah, it was a good job. And I delivered flowers while I was there. So, like, I was kind of a scuzzy, scuzzball going up into the, like, lawyer's offices delivering uh, orchids. It was pretty great. Yeah, I had, my job was this weird thing called puppy parks. And it was like a, a 
about a foot of like a or like a yard of plastic, and you would put fresh grass sod into it, and oh, people's okay. dogs would they would put it on their yeah. balcony or whatever, and their dogs would shit and piss on it, and I would come and pick it up. Yeah, <laughs> like it it was like a, the weirdest job. That's a cool gig too. It was great because I got it when I first I did it in L.A., and then I'd drive up there and do it. And it was kind of awesome because I'd get to look into these weird, like, rich people's homes and in both yeah, cities. Yeah, I, I love that about my orchid job, too. It was just going into these super fancy offices, being like, feeling like I'm the underbelly of the city or something like that. But you must accept me, for I am the plant man. Yeah, I and I love, like, peering into people's lives. Like, I would deliver to some, I don't know, somebody told me she was, like, the ex-wife of some big Hollywood executive, but she, I would deliver her at like 10 in the morning and she would just be fucking high as a kite. Like, I don't like <laughs> booze and pills and it was just, but it was sad, but fascinating. Like it was just like, I was like, yeah. I'm in this James Carver novel suddenly. <laughs> yeah. She's holding the champagne glass talking yes. to you about her life as you're picking up the dog piss blanket yeah people loved to talk to me while i did it it was so bizarre like i'm like you really like i couldn't i couldn't i'm like why do you want to talk to the guy who's here to pick up your dog's fucking filth ridden sod like it was bizarre and that's where you started your interview career (laughs) i did like talking to him i just was always perplexed i was like okay talk to the shit and piss guy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what was the weed That's pretty good what did you do in the weed world if can you it, was well it, i was like i was pretty much well i lived up on the mountainside in a trailer um and i grew i grew pot for like four years you know more well, longer than that i don't know how long i did it for but i was just like i i grew it i cured it i I didn't sell it though. I wasn't the seller person. So that was, that was like kind of where I drew the line. I liked being up in the mountains, up in the, um, dealing with the plants, you know, I was pretty good at it. And I, um, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to do any of the salesman shit that seemed like it would be terrible to me. Was there- so I was the farmer and I, I, I cared for everything. I lived up in the mountains. It was fantastic. Did you have any growing experience before that, or you just were, like, thrown into it? No, not really, other than, you know, I worked my way in there. Um, I, I I did a couple of seasons just trimming before I had um, jumped into the farming aspect of things. Um, but, it, but it came on pretty natural. I, I've always been, like, I don't know, I always thought of myself as, like, kind of, like, intuitive with other living things. Uh, I'm going to take a wild guess. You smoke pot? I don't actually. Did you back then? (laughs) (laughs) No, not really. I mean, the most I ever smoked pot was in high school, like with my buddies. But, um, when I lived up on the mountain, like completely by myself, this one year in particular, I started like rolling up like little hippie cigs with a little tobacco, a little lavender, a little tiny bit of weed. But I get anxiety attacks from smoking pot. Yeah, or I can. I, I do every once in a while, but it, it's just too. It's like if I 
it's not worth it for the times that like I start to get paranoid and self-conscious and, you know, thinking about life as a whole. And like, (laughs) it just sends me in a negative spiral sometimes. And it's not worth the pleasurable moments. It's not worth the gamble. Like I'll have probably one great time out of a hundred. And I'm like, it's, that's right. It's not worth it. Yeah. So you're the same way. 100%. And I wish, I wish I could. But I can't. I kind of. All right. Let me ask you this. Do you ever do you have like uh, these moments where you're like, this is going to be the year that I become a stoner and I can smoke pot finally and enjoy it and not worry about it. I've had probably a few of those in my lifetime where I'm like, okay, this is the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. and then it you know when it became yeah, that's how i am i always think like maybe this year i'll be able to become a stoner and not worry about shit so much and then my stoner friends will be like well it's because you're not tr- doing the right strain but i'm like I yeah just- you need to or or they say you need to uh you need to smoke through it <laughs> <laughs> terrible advice. and i'm like well why so that i have like some dependency i don't want that either so i don't know yeah i've tried i've tried and i I tried edibles i've tried every fucking variation and then yeah and i quit like i quit when i was like 24 i was like fuck this and i didn't do it for like i do it once every few years and i'd be like nope sucks and then yeah it's so prevalent in california that i was like then i started but then i'm like probably Almost two years ago, I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm just done. I can't do. It's not worth. Yeah. It's not worth the. Like, what am I trying to prove? <laughs> like, it's like a- yeah, exactly, exactly. Once in a while, like if I've already had a few drinks and I'm around a campfire with a bunch of my friends, then I'll then I'll take a puff or like before rehearsing or something like that when we already have the songs down. Um, but that's that's the extent of it. Like tiny puff here or there. Uh, so. Did you lived in a trailer by yourself? Like, were you pretty much legitimately alone for a year straight, uh, roughly? Well, the closest store was this little country store that was down the mountain, and that was about a thirty-minute drive down the mountain. Wow! Um, it was, uh, and so I would go down there, you know, maybe once a week and get like a burger, and I'd go to the grocery store and pick up groceries, and then I'd go, then I'd go home. And I go back up the mountain and that's kind of, that's where I started writing songs actually is really? up there when I, when I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Just cause you had so much time or. Yeah. I had time. I was like, I had the time to do it. I don't know. There was this, like the town I was in Covalo has like a local radio station and I don't know. I just listened to that all the time. And I, I had a little record player up there and I was like, just getting, I was, I was pretty much just getting into Towns Van Zandt and I was like, yeah, I could probably write a song or two while I'm up here. And I wrote a couple of songs and I was like, and then I sang them at the Covalo open mic night at the, you know, and they were pretty well received. So I don't know. I just, I came then, then from there I moved to Joshua tree. Uh, and in the first week it was like Thanksgiving and there was a little campfire and I sang these two songs I wrote and uh, there was this guy, Martin Kraft there. And he kind of, he kind of 
pulled me aside. He was like, I would really like to record those. I can't do it. He's got a, he's got a very specific accent. Um, but he kind of pulled me aside and he was like, I'd love to record the songs with you. And so we just did it. And then, and the ball kind of rolled from there. And like, it seemed wanted, like all the, the things I was doing seemed like people wanted them. They wanted to support them. I feel like if it, if that wouldn't happen, then I would just be, you know, not just be, but I would, I'd be on some different path right now. That's crazy. It really, yeah. How- it really takes the want of, uh, for me, it takes like people to feel wanted, like to feel like the music that I'm making is wanted to keep doing it. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll, I'll do it on my own regardless, right? I'll make little tracks. I'll like have a guitar around, play the guitar, but like, it's, it's really like, it's really just, it's people wanting to hear more. I, uh, I really thrive on that. Do you remember what approach you had when you, the first song you wrote was the, like, where did it come from? Did it just hit you? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it came from like, uh, a relationship, of course, you know, <laughs> it was like, came from, it came from heartbreak, uh, or like, you know, trying, trying desperately to, you know, move past this relationship. I was borderline obsessed with for years and years. Um, it was trying to move past it, you know? Um, so, Oh, I wrote this song and it actually helped me move past the, past the track, past the relationship. That's wild. What about the second song? Yeah. Uh, the second song was kind of, wait, the second song, the second song was kind of inspired by, oh, the, well, I'll just say it. Cause why not? The first song was the train and that's, that's, you know, on the album. And then the second song was like, I was feeling a lot of, um, I was thinking a lot about people who were schizophrenic and, and, um, I was thinking about like Zen and like what, like why would like, like Zen is being in some completely different reality than we live in, you know, or like, as far as I, I understand it, I don't know. There's, I listen to Alan Watts. He, he's, he speaks it a lot better. Yeah. So basically the second song I was thinking a lot about like schizophrenia and like basically different ways of like being removed from the, you know, supposed reality that, we live in that's culturally accepted in society. Um, and like how schizophrenia, like just because it's, uh, you know, another, another perspective or even like people living in a different reality doesn't like, um, disqualify it from being the true reality that they are, (laughs) that someone else is living in. So I don't know. I was really, I was really inspired by that concept and that, um, and that's kind of what the second song was about. How uh, how was it? Had you performed before when you went to that open mic, or was that just like a first time being in front? Yeah, yeah. I I had performed before. I mean, I was in like in San Francisco. I was in kind of a noise noise band. It was like a noise rock band. And then in Ohio, I was in a band called Hills that was like the screamo band. And I was the screamer free flailer, you know. And that was a blast. I love, I loved that. I loved being in that band. 
I love being in both of those bands. Did you write any music for Hills or was that? No, I didn't write anything for any of these bands. I wrote some lyrics for Hills, but that's it. I wrote some lyrics for Limousine was the kind of noise rock band in, in San Francisco that I was in too. Um, and yeah, I, I just wrote some lyrics basically and improv vocals. Does that, um, any of that music never, never did I really play play the play songs, write songs before that. Does Limousine or Hills live anywhere? Can people find that? And or would you want people to find that? That's an interesting question. Limousine, I don't think we have anything up on the web. I don't know if Hills does either. I mean, there might be some like live videos of Hills, some old live videos from us playing in Columbus. But I think that's probably about it. Uh, yeah. I was thinking about that Alan Watts thing and the real, and I was like, I feel like that about like in general, like so much of our way of viewing things has been cultivated by one one way of viewing it, like Western culture, right? The, the white Elizabethan sort of Puritan fucking mindset has pretty much permeated the entire world, as has capitalism, yeah. and, and I'm like way of thinking is pretty fucked up anyway (laughs) yeah yeah it is it is it's really fucked up and it could it's 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 a really interesting idea that like things could have gone any way really like like as far as like like society goes like they could have gone in a better direction so many better in a better direction now but like you know it takes generations upon generations to actually get to a different mindset. And unfortunately I don't think things are going in a better direction at this no. point. So I've read, I don't know. I was just reading this book about crazy horse, but they talk about sitting bull visiting Washington DC for the first time. Cause they were trying to impress him with white power. That's ex- a quote from the book. <laughs> wow. And, and he was okay. like, at first I think he was like, Oh, look how you have these cool buildings or whatever. But then he saw homeless people and his thought was we would have never let this happen. And I was like, yeah, I was like, and these were, you know, the people that the, the colonialists looked down upon. And I was like, they wouldn't have let this fucking happen. It's like clearly a better way of viewing life. Obviously. Yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't lift the individual up high enough. (laughs) it's like it's like i said that was sarcasm it's just like that way of thinking is like it's too community oriented it's like yeah how am i gonna be how would i ever be the best thing in the world how would i would never have the chance to do that under that kind of way of thinking so i wouldn't have i don't know it's just yeah exactly there's just selfish selfishness greed and power hunger i don't know it's the classic tale right i don't know it was i i I hope things go in a different direction at some point but i think it would have to take oh sorry oh i was just gonna say i think we're at a breaking point like i feel like we are at things are coming to a head and it's gonna go yeah yeah which which you know i think it would take some some kind of huge event for for people to actually massively change their minds i think this slow culmination of like uh of 
acclimating to like the new way day by day, day after day, like acclimating to things being worse. Like <laughs> humans are so adaptable that it's like so easy to just accept the new way, the new way things are the worst way that things are again and again and again until it's like, I don't know. Is there a breaking point at that point? Or is it just like, it keeps going. I sometimes think that like there would have to be some giant event for that to happen for, yeah, well, it could be the climate. For people to change their minds. Yeah, the climate, yeah. I mean, you see the shit in Pakistan, these floods, and I'm just like, that will be here eventually. Like, But it's like, yeah. we need to wake up before that, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. I mean, need to wake up now. But yeah, this place I've got, I don't know, it's not like the the cure well i don't i don't know ne- never mind that doesn't what i was going to say doesn't really pertain to what we were talking about oh but is that like a safe haven for you to go clear your head Didn't no your not specifically it's more just a way to this this cabin is like or like living out in joshua tree and having this like off-grid place is more for me a way to like as the kind of more anxious person the anxious sides of me it was, it was such a goal to get a place somewhere to live because I felt the, like with my mentality, as far as like, you know, work and finances go, I like, don't want to work. I want to work on what I want to work on. Um, which is a struggle for me, but, um, and it's a struggle for everyone, but this getting this place like early on, like in 2014 was like, my attempt at never having to face homelessness, basically (laughs) like with, like I could, I could go live in a city and kind of like do what I wanted and take chances that maybe I wouldn't be able to, if I just rented a place or just like had this, it turned out later to be a really good decision because Joshua tree exploded as far as like people moving here. But, um, originally that was the plan i just wanted a place that i could go to um if if i was gonna like have to be homeless basically (laughs) (laughs) if i ever like really massively failed and couldn't get my feet down yeah it doesn't like when i was younger to because i strive for the same thing i don't want to work for anybody i don't want to fucking work like i want to do my work but that's yeah. easier said than done. It it used, absolutely like Chicago when I lived there as a young man. It was cheap as fuck, and you could wait tables and barely work and get by and right. focus on whatever. Yeah, yeah. But now with rent being a fucking two thousand dollars, it's like it's everywhere. Just, yeah, everywhere. It's like you. I'm just like it's it angers me because it's like well we're not going to be able to. Con- cultivate artists artists won't be able to create because they everyone's in survival mode like bare minimum yeah i mean how how do you create when you have three jobs just to pay rent you don't i mean or i don't know i mean i've heard it said many times only rich only rich kids and rich people get to make art these days so I'll say to them, better be making good stuff that represents everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had a buddy who was in a band, and he was the only guy in a four-person band who had a 
job in a restaurant. And he was like, he was like, Indie mm-hmm. Rock's a rich kid's game. And I was like, is it? Yeah. And then the more I got to know some people, I was like, oh, it kind of is a rich kid's game. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. You know, that's why I really appreciate, like, uh, you know, I don't know, per- being on Perpetual Doom as a label, like working with those guys so far, it's just like, um, I don't know. It's just, I really appreciate it because Lou who runs the label, like does everything from, from a very passionate place. Like it's very obvious that like he, yeah, he just wants to like put out what he thinks that people should hear. And it's no, no, I mean, of course we all need to make money, but like the, it's, it's the passion first, which is how I kind of try to live my life too. I feel, and maybe I'm naive, but I've always believed that that it might take a fucking long time, but that will pay off. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know what, even like, even things like not even things, I don't want to belittle it, but like things like just having a conversation with you about all this stuff, like people that are interested in hearing about the projects, that's really what drives me. I mean, it's really what like keeps me excited about everything. Keeps me wanting to like, practice make more of it um and then just being like and then vocally being able to be passionate you know being able to like spew some some passion like in singing too like those are the things that just keep it going on yeah do you feel like there is because this is how i feel and like i'm almost 54 I do look good for my age. Thank you. <laughs> you look great. Well, I can only see the shoulders and the head. So. Oh, they're, well, no, they're, yeah, the, the legs. No, look, you, look, you, look, you look good. Oh, my legs look terrible. My legs look 90. <laughs> just so you know, they're just, they're really <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> they're mangled and tied but, up in a knot. But I've definitely pursued the things I want to most of my life, I've had to take some fucking God awful jobs, but there's always been something that's made me feel like keep going. I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, do I, am I delusional? And I think when I'm like 80, someone will be like, that guy's done a lot of great stuff and then I'll die. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel the same way, but if that happens, is that so bad? No, no. But I would rather be broke or whatever and do this or pursue things than, just be some schmuck in no offense in an office somewhere but i've done that yeah and it's brutal yeah. it's fucking brutal it is brutal yeah i mean i've never really had the i had a computer and a desk at my orchid job but i've never really had an office job per se um but yeah i mean you know going to going to work at the warehouse in um in la and like there are other carpenters there that are like you know passionate about the carpentry which is fantastic i just don't feel that way i mean i like like i like to go do work i like to be physical but like i just like and and i don't mind like i understand i have to work like i gotta make make the ends meet but like i'm gonna do it as little as i possibly can to make the ends meet and so that i still have time to do what i want to do which is I want to move forward. I want to move forward with the songs, with the drawings, you know, I feel enriched. I I have a lot. There's just like, if you feel like, like you do and you have a lot more to offer in an artistic sense to society than you do to like helping out a company, then do it. 
by all means, just do it. You just do it. Just do it. Even if you're broke, who cares? I don't know. Make it work. Yeah. Somehow. The, uh, the people who dedicate themselves to a company and I've met them. I've met people who are like, I love Jones and Smith incorporated. And I'm like, they don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about. <laughs> they, they don't care about you, you so fast. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah, they don't care about you at all. If they can make five cents more a year without you, they will. Yeah. That's yeah. what astounds me. I'm like, I, it, but it's yeah. like we're we're programmed, we're brainwashed to believe that, like, get a good job. I've had secure jobs, and they weren't secure, and I was broke, right? And I was, yeah, and I, oh, it's wild to me. But I mean, there's something to be said about, you know, someone who can work a job like that and like someone who can, you know, be happy about it. And it's not even a convince. It's just like, like we were talking about before. It's like, it's like the reality that they live in. It's like, like, you know, a lot of these like very talented carpenters that I work with are like passionate about their carpentry and that's what they feel like they can lend, you know, they can, they can give to the world. They can give these, you know, whatever it is that they're making to the world rather than, um, and, and I appreciate that, you know, that's a nice thing, but it's just not, it's not for me in the long run. Yeah. I wish I had a skill like that. I see. I, but I, I admire that skill. That's like a fucking solid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh. Yeah, I just read this thing where there's like corporate surveillance now and they just like they watch some of the companies watch every minute of your work and how much you're on the keyboard oh and how God. and I was just like people are going to fucking snap. Like you want to Yeah. Like people no wonder like not to sound dark but it's like no wonder why people fucking go off in the office place and fucking hurt people cuz it's like Yeah, yeah. That's not like, yeah. that's demeaning. Working people that hard and like under the eye like feeling that pressure all the time not good it's for the not brain. a that's not a good way to be so, yeah someone every all these people need mushrooms that's what i go back to yeah that, that's what's <laughs> up that's what's up well a lot of the oh yeah a lot of people i work with like you know they take it easy too they get to take it easy but i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna just keep doing what i do i think I think you should too. Make make it make ends meet where I can. Uh, I wanted to, and this is, and then I'll I'll let you go, or I will ask. Oh, okay. I don't want, but I saw you have an IMDb page. Have you done some acting? Oh, barely, barely. Yeah, um, I was like, I don't even know what's on there. Actually, my partner Sua just made that for me. Uh, there's, I played a, oh yeah. in Joshua tree, I played a dead guy. Oh, I was a dead body laying on the side of the road. <laughs> that was pretty fun, <laughs> but you know, I, I would actually, I would love to do more acting. I really would. I would love to do more acting. And I kind of could see that happening at some point. Somebody, a uh, friend was doing a short film and they asked me to be an actor in their short film. And, Unfortunately, it wouldn't work out timing wise, but I was like so bummed that I couldn't do it because I really love that. I really love to act. I like doing, I, uh, I mean, talk to my pal. I, I'm doing characters all day, anyways, you know, so uh, I would like, I would love to be given that opportunity. Thank you very much for listening to my episode with Earl Valley. Ghost Approaches is the album, Perpetual Doom. 
Also, remember, there's a part two to this episode, and you or it continues. It's really just a continuation. But you could go to thematwire.com, become a Patreon subscriber, and hear the rest of it, and all the part twos of my many splendid interviews. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> I'm not